Welcome to Movies Charles Haven't Seen, episode 95. My name is Grossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he has not seen. This week, we watched the 1982 movie Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. So, Charles, tell us about it. In this movie, the classic Star Trek crew has all grown old. It kind of shows you where they are in life. Like, Captain Kirk has been promoted to Admiral, but he's lamenting. Um, not being on a ship and things like that. Their old demons start to come back and haunt them. This guy named Khan, uh, who's a genetically engineered human, finds a way to hijack a ship and vows to get revenge because Captain Kirk defeated him many years ago. And so they lure Kirk to a space station uh, as a trap and uh, almost destroy the Enterprise. But eventually Kirk finds a way to trick Khan and defeat him. They lure him into a nebula and shoot him down. But Khan like triggers a bomb. And in order to get away, Spock has to sacrifice himself to get their engine working again. Uh, so Spock dies to save the rest of the crew. And yeah. the movie ends about there. Yeah. Uh, so this was my selection to do, uh, to do Wrath of Khan. Uh, I feel like this stands in the, the relatively rare space where you can like take a movie in a long-running property that like still functions without that context but is still complemented by that context and still works as a good movie for people that don't know anything about Star Trek. Um, so in that sense I think that it's it's just a solid like space adventure movie um, that has at this point stood the test of time because it came out in 1982 so here we are you know 30 plus years later and it's still good. Um, so, yeah, I picked this one because for those reasons and because I just thought that Charles would like it. So, Charles, did you like Wrath of Khan? Did you have a good time with it? I certainly had a good time. I okay. just, I feel like this movie um, falls victim to the effect of having, like, too high of praise. Sure. And it gave me too high of expectations going into it. Because people always regard it as, like, the best Star Trek movie, right? Well, it and is that. Like, it is that. They ref- <laughs> they, well, yeah, yeah, but, like, they reference it all the time and... It, and like, you know, every time the, one of the new Star Trek movies comes out, people are always comparing it to Wrath of Khan. One of them basically was a direct ripoff or an attempt at it. Yeah, fuck that movie. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know, like I watched it and it seemed like, you know, it's just a long Star Trek episode. Yeah. That's basically what it is, right? It didn't feel like, you know, an A-tier movie experience um the i mean like i i would have to compare with star wars right and like and you should i don't really feel like there's that much comparison though you're right like yes the the star wars original trilogy are better than this movie and i think it's pretty confidently better but are you gonna say return of the jedi is not as good you're making a face crossman i'm just judging that statement oh okay i'm just (laughs) considering i think those are real movies though i think charles is right that this is Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, the Star Wars like is like definitely better. TV show. But like, since it yeah. is a movie and people regard it so highly, yeah, I think it, it should be treated as such. Yeah, it came out. Came out in theaters. You know, sure, a major studio produced it. Right, it had a budget. I don't mind Return of the Jedi. I think it's a no. You're, I, I thought movie. you were gonna. I, what I thought that face meant was that oh no, this movie Wrath of Khan is better than some Star Wars movies. No, I think. Okay. I don't think it's even in like the same. Right, that's like, what I said. Star Wars yeah. is confidently better. Yeah, than, but I, I wasn't Khan. sure if I agreed. But, oh, okay, but you yeah. do. But I don't even know if this is, like, a movie. Like, <laughs> Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think Charles is right. It's, like, closer to a television show episode. Than it. it almost, like, predicts the uh, Marvel movies in a way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does feel a lot like TV. And I think that's fine. Because like, it yeah. starts out with, like, all these characters that you already know and it doesn't mm-hmm. introduce them in any way, right? Yeah, like, and it like, doesn't, like, do a sig- significant upgrade on like the quality of that you would get from the TV show right yeah. it's even based on an episode yeah. from the original series well, it's a direct sequel yeah it's actually. a sequel to <laughs> like, a TV so, show so Khan actually was a character yeah, yeah so like the, yeah, in one episode that's what's so weird about this movie that is that them. it's just a standalone episode I think that it's picked them because Multibond is just so great and Did, was he also I, in yeah, the original yeah. series okay yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just say it's one episode that aired in 1966 yep. that they resurrect 15 years later, more than 15 years later, for for this movie, and it works. Um, mm. So, yeah, really yeah. peculiar choice in that respect. I mean, like, I will say the production value is certainly way higher than the original series, but the original yeah. series was, like, 
you know. They shot that really, on a shoestring yeah. budget. Right, right. No no like, rubber masks. Yeah. Oftentimes they just like came up with the story because there was like a set assembled in <laughs> in uh, the Culbert Studios, which is where yeah. they shot it. And yeah. so like that was one of the original pitches for Star Trek was that like, well, someday they'll go to a Western planet and if they just happen to have a Western <laughs> set set up in the Culver Studios, they would just like go shoot a Western episode and like yeah. just yeah. whatever was going, they would just like repurpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I hear I, I hear your point that it is just a, a big long episode of TV, but it's a really good episode of TV. Yeah. And I think that it is still important because this predates next generation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it like sets up this the Marvel movies are a good comparison, I think. Like it's, it sets up this tradition of like a long-running kind of forward trajectory for this series that you see replicated yeah. in Star Wars and Marvel and any number of you know giant franchises. Wait, so was Next Generation the second Star Trek show? The next one, yeah, plus okay. Next Generation. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it just like feels the, way newer than the original series. It, well, it, it kind of is. It, it is because there, there was a pretty big gap between the end of original series and the beginning of Next Generation yeah, that was filled by these think movies. About that, actually. Yeah, so like the first episode. There's even a movie where they cross over. It's Star Trek Generations. Yes, and the first episode of Next yeah. Generations is a crossover, like where they're handing it off to. The a new mm. crew, you, they have a bunch of people from original series in there. Um, so yeah, there's a clear connection between those two shows, more so than Next Generation and other Star Trek shows. As far as I know, I haven't seen a lot of them. Um, but yeah, so I think this movie is important in that sense that it that it is kind of building that tradition uh, for Star Trek and really for a lot of properties in general. Um, did you enjoy watching, Crossman? Yeah, I, I mean, Mothalan, I think, is great. Yeah, he's so good. Here. He's very magnetic. Um, but he was known as, like, a great stage actor, which is, I think, why they use him yeah. in the original and yeah. in this one. Very um, dramatic. He's so hammy. I was like, just really yeah. surprised by how little screen time he got. Yeah. yeah. I thought it'd be more. It just it, it left me felt feeling like I wanted more. It just felt kind of... Hollow. Yeah, they they but I, I I didn't feel hollow necessarily, but they do budget his time, right? Yeah, and I they, just felt like to... I didn't really understand who Khan <laughs> really was as a character besides him being slightly dramatic on t- at times, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my problem was that they always classify him as like the superior intellect, the superior being the whole time, right? right. And I don't think he ever really shows that he has a superior intellect, right? Like he tricks the Enterprise once, but then the rest <laughs> of the time, Kirk. Who's this, like, cocky lunkhead outwits him every time. (laughs) And I'm just like, what? Yeah, you're right. I mean, he ends up killing Spock, which is, like, supposed to be the, you know, big price that he paid here. Um, But, yeah, you're right. He kind of gets his comeuppance over and over again. Charles, you are a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. Why are you not a Star Trek fan? Uh, That's a good question. Like, yeah, why, is, <laughs> yeah. why does this get you like? A, a lot of people just pick one, right? But I just, I don't know. Like I never stuff really. Space. Yeah, I just didn't watch too much TV shows as a kid, besides like cartoons. Gotcha. Uh, so I never really got into the Star Trek shows. Yeah, and it's really a TV canon. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and it looks like TV. Like even if you watch the more recent stuff, like it, there's a TV look to it. Um, yeah. Just in terms of how it's lit and the budget that they get and all that. Yeah, but and there's I, I a think familiarity to everything in Star Trek, I think, yeah. which we can get into in a second. But, yeah, I but, think in general I do enjoy Star Trek, the, t- the TV series. Yeah. Um, like, I've seen sporadic episodes of Next Generation here and sure. there, right? And they've, I've, they've been pretty good. Some of them have some interesting ideas and, like, interesting conflicts and decisions for the characters to make, things like that. Uh, it's just there's a lot to watch, and I'm not going to sit down and, like, rewatch all of that. Um, no I've been on some Star Trek rides and they're pretty sweet. Okay, that's uh, I think the Intrepid had like a Star Trek exhibit, at okay, point, which is really fun. Yeah, I, I looked on because apparently all of the Star Trek series, not the movies, but the series are on Hulu, and like the original series is three seasons, but Next Generation it is seven. Yeah, Deep Space Nine is seven. Uh, Voyager was like five or six, like these, are, and they're all like twenty-five episode seasons. Yeah, so like there's a, a lot ton, of TV. there's a ton of content. As out a kid, there. I watched DS Nine. DS Nine is the one, the one I watched the most, and the one I like the most. It's yeah, it's yeah, pretty rad. It's it, I think it's actually good. The thing I, I have it centers black characters in a way that the yeah, Cisco's a great character. Yeah, Cisco's a really great character. Yeah, um, who's and like, his like father son relationship is interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it feels more like. 
because it's stationary. So like the gimmick with DS9 is that rather than being in a ship that's exploring the universe, they're in a space station, yeah. and people are like coming to them. There's a lot of like political play, but it feels kind of like a workplace show. Yeah, right. Like it really because is. It's the space office. It, right. It really does feel like a space office, and it, <laughs> it, and it has humorous moments, and it has like it does Star Trek stuff, right? and it has yeah. like the dramatic stuff too, but. It, you have this sense of place with the S9 yeah. that I didn't get as much with some of the other ones, although I, again, haven't seen them all as much as SDS9. Well, what I was saying before, like, f for what it's worth, Star Trek does a good job of like having a familiarity to its locations. Like, mm -hmm. the bridge of each of the ships looks like the bridge of all the other ships. You have a. The uniforms. The uniforms. Mm -hmm. You have a certain layout of characters. Like, there's always like a weapons guy and a communication person right. and, and a doctor. A, and a do yeah, yeah, exactly. And so to have that kind of like, it sticks to that formula. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's well, it, and because of I that, think it's part of the show that makes it endearing. I that, I, I agree, you know, and I think that that because of that. And like how that fits into genre, it lets them tweak things just a little bit from show to show in interesting yeah. ways that like play within that genre space. And you can use a lot of generic shorthand because there's so much that's familiar, yeah. right? So you can introduce really weird ideas about like this character is actually two people in one body and one of them is a bug and like they occupy different <laughs> bodies at different points in the bug's lifetime. And like that idea becomes easier to grasp because the other stuff around it is you know, from the last show, and like yeah. you, you know what's going on here. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree. Like that, that is to its credit. Yeah. And like this movie does that same thing, right? Like they, like you said, they don't introduce Kirk or Spock or Bones or Chekhov. They don't like have yeah. a, a, an intro for you these guys. They really, they just they're like, yeah, you basically know who these guys are. Yeah. Did you feel confused by the character introductions or like how um, how did that play? So this you're, is kind of funny. I'm sure you're familiar outside <laughs> of Star Trek with like Captain Kirk, right, and Spock. Yeah, so this is kind of funny, but yeah. I know the the original series characters mainly because of the new Star Trek movies where sure. they have new versions of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so introduced him in, introduced me to all their like character Trope. traits, their tropes, really? yeah, their quotes and things like that. And then I could kind of back associate them with the original versions of them. And mm -hmm. so I still recognize them all in this one yeah, and of because course, of that. Leonard Nimoy is actually in the first Abrams. So yeah, I, I, I know Leonard oh, Nimoy yeah. pretty well. Second sucks. God, I hate that movie. I'm, like, I'm so down on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first one is pretty solid. The third it, one's okay, too. Yeah, the third you, one's actually very good. If you only good. think of it as a TV show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I've enjoyed the new Star Trek series. Me, too. Except for In the Darkness. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that it it plays with that well, and but it still like has self-contained themes in this movie, right? Like that the original series didn't deal with things things like aging, you know, or yeah. legacy, or like coping with death and things like that. Like, but this movie gets to do that because of the groundwork laid in that, in the '60s that is paying off now. This movie is a lot about being old. Yeah, that's what it's about. Period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is, if there's an A yeah. theme, that is it. It's, yeah. a, it's aging, right? It's yeah. confronting death, um, and the, and the fact that you are not going to be here forever, right? Because you look at that you have these char this character from his past entering his present. You have him dealing with advancing his career, so he can't do the fun stuff that he used to do. He has a son that he doesn't know about, right? Like all of this stuff. Like the the big weapon is about killing everything and then making life again, right? Like it all comes back to that theme. Yeah. The, the strange son subplot uh, <laughs> yes. did not play very well. It, it was like very shoehorned in. Yeah, I think you have to yeah, know. They don't spend a lot of time on it. That's no. the spot it feels like they leaned most on prior knowledge of original series. Because like yeah. the the mother is was one of Kirk's numerous conquests, <laughs> as far as I know, throughout the sure. original series. And I think that they leaned on you knowing something about that relationship. Well, I feel uh, like you can tell what happened based on what he says when, right. when like they first contact her. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. She says, or he says something about like an old wound that you you don't you don't reopen it. Right, and and they you get you they get have that. little lines like that throughout the movie, right? Where it's just like they'll they'll drop a throwaway line to like yeah. clue you in if you don't know exactly who this character is, so you can still follow the movie, which speaks to a, a well constructed film, I think. Yeah, that's well done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but you're you're right. That was not. It was very distracting. It, yeah, and, it, and they do the like very TV show like 
end where they're like, oh, thanks, Dad, and they like, <laughs> fight it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess that character appears in the next movie. The son? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw on IMDb. Because that actor, like, died tragically young. Oh. oh that's not that's and uh, so he doesn't have a lot of credits, but he's credited for the next movie. Too. Okay, so he probably was being groomed to take over. Probably, yeah. Yeah, jeez, yeah. that's rough. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, the next movie is called Search for Spock. Which I have not seen. Um, oh, that's a spoiler. Spoiler, <laughs> yes, they, uh, they find him. In the, in the title. Because yeah. the reason that Spock died at the end of this one is that Leonard Nimoy wanted out. Like, he didn't want to make <laughs> any more of these, <laughs> these movies or the show. He's like, I have an act, a career as a real actor in front of me. And then this was a huge hit that made a ton of money. He's like, actually, maybe yeah, I do like, want to keep doing all those these. millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think the fandom was, like, devastated that I'm sure, yeah, he he's died. a super oh, popular yeah. character. Uh, so they yeah. needed a way to bring him back in. Yeah, speaking of which... He, he's in a number of other movies after this, too. He's in the Wailing one. Yeah, the Generations. Yeah, uh, that one. Yeah. They... Or no, that one's, like, something home. Oh, yeah, you're right. They go Boy. to San Francisco in the 90s. Yeah. And, right, and they yeah. and they go whale watching. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, like, in a... It's in like an old ship. I feel like they go back in time. Yes. Yeah. Well, they do some crazy. That actually speaks to Star Trek like more broadly, and that it's like this wacky bullshit. Also, it's just like uh, it's very liberal and um, oh, yeah. almost like utopia. It is utopia. Uh, yes. Yeah. And that one, it's like they're literally like saving the whales in the nineties, which yeah, is right. like <laughs> uh, pretty amazing that that's like the subject of like a major motion picture film. Right, going back in time, like coming like the, to save whales, to yeah. save whales, exactly, because yeah. they were getting overfished or farmed, and the... well, they just didn't exist in yeah. Star Trek's present. Oh, huh. so they go back and like collect some whales yeah. to Kill bring to bring forward. Yeah, okay. <laughs> got it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because um, but you're absolutely right. Like this show famously has really good politics, right? Like it's it's famously uh, this socialist paradise where all of your material needs are met. And your the goal of the Federation is to just spread goodness and well-being to everybody. Right? Yeah, I think they're often misread as a military where they're really an exploratory. You're right, which is like, I think actually a, a problem with this movie because they're a, yeah. they're referred to as a military organization in this movie. Yeah, they use military rank, and they have military ranks. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a little bit straying from the Gene Roddenberry uh, vision. But as originally conceived and as put forward in original series and Next Generation, they're not a military organization. It's more of just a government. I've always got the impression they were more military. Right, because that's how Abrams treats them. Like yeah. in, the, in the new movies, they're very explicitly just an army or a navy, rather. And that's how it functions. But yeah, yeah. Roddenberry was very specific that that's not how it's meant to be, how it's meant to be read. Although I think in the new ones, they still haven't like allied with the Klingons or something like that so they're still like at war yeah like the most recent something one about that. the most recent one was about like some veteran Idris Elba plays like a war veteran or something um, and that's a plot point and I think that we're fighting Klingons but I don't know yeah, yeah I don't know um, but yeah good politics um, and and even the, the original series is famously the show that first featured a on-screen interracial kiss between Michelle Nichols, Michelle and, Nichols, and and Kirk and yeah Shatner, she's really cool. Um, there's a, there's a really good drunk history episode about her. Okay, <laughs> and she's rad. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, she was friends with Martin Luther King, or she worked with Martin Luther King at the end of NAACP, and she was going to quit the show because she wanted to just be a stage actor. Um, and MLK was like a huge Trekkie, and he was like. <laughs> He was like, don't, like, nice. you can't quit. Like, you're the only black woman on screen on TV. Yeah. And, like, af yeah. afterwards, she ended up, like, um, really helping the diversity efforts at NASA, where she went and, like, recruited a bunch of, mm. of non-white astronauts. <laughs> Good. And, yeah, she's, like, an amazing person. Yeah. She has a great interview that's floating around YouTube about that kiss with Shatner. Have I told this story before? It, Probably to me, but okay. I don't know. I don't remember if I, I'm going to tell it again in, in any event. But, yeah. but so it was in the script, and there's like a fight between the director and the studio, the, the studio and the writers, and the studio's like, I don't know, we we can't do that. Um, that's that's pushing the envelope too far. We can't we can't put that on screen. Shatner wanted to do it, 
Michelle Nichols is saying, oh, no, she doesn't give a shit. Like, you guys do whatever you want. Um, so they eventually agree. The director talks the producers into shooting both versions, right, where they're going to have one where they just, like, embrace and another one where they actually kiss. So Shanner just wants the kiss version on to, to air on TV. So they're taking, they have the camera pointed at Shatner and Nichols. The director is facing behind them looking at the camera. So they're taking multiple takes and Shatner is insisting on starting with the t take where they're kissing. And he's like intentionally going really, really slow because he knows that if they go past a certain time, they just have to like hard shut down production for the day because of the union or something like that. Like they don't, they can't pay overtime. So he's like dilly dallying, and finally they get to the point where there's like one take left, and he's like, "We have to get one where you're not, where you're not kissing." So they go for it, and they like hug or whatever. And Shatner looks up at the camera after they hug, and his eyes are crossed. So they show that clip to the producers the next day at the dailies, and they that's the only footage they have. They have Whoops. to air the show like within a few weeks or whatever, and that's why it's on TV is because Shatner like crossed his eyes at the last minute to ruin the take, um, and that story cracks me up. Um, and there's a better telling of it with Michelle Nichols on on the YouTube. Um, <laughs> Drunk History also does a good version of it. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm... Yeah, they actually they act it out, and okay. it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. also acted out, you know, on that episode. Yeah. So <laughs> that works too. Um, she has nothing to do in this movie. Nothing. She's in it yeah. and like has like five lines. Yeah. She's yeah. there just because the whole original crew's there. Yeah. I mean, it's Scotty doesn't do a whole lot either. Nah, yeah. He walks very dramatically into one scene with a, one of his crew members in his arms. <laughs> yeah, well, his nephew or whatever, right? Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah, it's like his sister's son, so his nephew. It felt a bit out of nowhere. <laughs> a lot of people die in this movie, and the, like, the movie moves on like real fast. Right. Uh, most, most notably, um, the other captain... Yeah. Kills himself <laughs> yes. in front of everybody, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. and they like don't even react. <laughs> yeah, like, like nobody's oh, like upset about it. That even. dude's dead. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And presumably they would probably know that guy, right? Like he's there. How many captains are there, really? I mean, this dude has a strong enough bond with them that he's resisting the mind bug to kill himself <laughs> instead of Kirk. Right? In right? like a horrific manner. Too. Yeah, yes. he's like vaporized. Yeah, and they did, yeah they move right These past. These are potent. Yeah, yeah, evidently. But and uh, Chekhov is the guy and he like survives and they're like oh thank god like check out <laughs> yeah, yeah check out's okay but yeah and they like give check out like medical attention just anonymous loser he killed yeah. <laughs> yeah well and the other thing because they gave him like the mind slugs or whatever to like get him to which was do, super 80s right gross. yeah very very 80s gross but as soon as it pops out of check ops here kirk just vaporizes it it's like they don't want to check out what this thing is or you know, examine it at all. You, just you don't like, want to take the risk that it's going to enslave someone else. I guess so. Just immediately destroys it. Yeah. I was like, that seems a little, a little rash. <laughs> yeah, that. That's probably just how Kirk rolls, right? I think you it shoot is. First, ask I think it later. is exactly how Kirk rolls. And then the following scene, it's just like Kirk and his old girlfriend like, right. talking. And they're like, what about that guy that just like killed himself? Right, right there. For, like, yeah. in, in this room. Five yeah. Kirk ago. might have a son, yo. It's more serious <laughs> business. Yeah. 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 I was amazed at that. I was like, I'm really worried about that guy and his family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> movie is not. <laughs> yeah, movie, yeah, we moved right along. Um, so yeah, but you're right. It's not it's one of several deaths because there's like numerous engineers that appear to be at least grievously wounded, if not outright killed. Spock dies. Yeah. Um, you have the Entire crew of the Reliant, or the you know Reliant that gets taken over by, uh, well they were Khan's marooned. Crew. They got rescued. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, and then their ship blows up. Wait, what? Right, like they, that's when Khan dies. Like they're all on there. And, oh no, they yeah. rescue them after they defeat Khan. They, it's like a footnote at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, the, the original crew. I mean Khan's I mean the, people. Oh Khan's people. Okay. Oh, also the but scientists. Yeah. All the fun. scientists like get murdered. Too. Yeah, that's true. And, oh yeah, very gruesome manner. Oh my like, god. Yeah. Him from the ceiling. Yeah, and they the, had a, they and had the had woman's a, like, <laughs> she's like fine. They she's snuck like, a jump scare. Right, there. and she yeah. definitely knew all those people probably pretty well. Yeah. They're on this space station together for. Yeah, I don't know. This is where like the movie reads more like TV because we're like we're not like reacting to things that seem like we should be reacting to. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they have to cram like a pretty good amount of plot into those two hours. Yeah. There's a lot that happens here, and yeah, there's no not a lot of space for emoting or any of that. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. 
because they, the, all the emoting has to come from Kirk. Like he's the only one that really has a, any kind of range of yeah. responses here. Like he, he, he gets he, he, he gets to be a full character. I thought William Shatner could in this one. <laughs> I just I don't know. I I don't have like a good impression of his men of him as an actor. I guess he has a reputation. Yeah, that's right? what I mean. Right? Like in and some of it is earned. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen his performance of Rocket Man? No. He, it's one of the weirder things you can watch. Yeah. It's, it's, he does this like... He does like a spoken word performance yes. of the oh. song Rocket Man. With like theremins and wow. like really slowed down tempo. Um, it's it's really... In a, in a tuxedo. Family Guy famously made fun of it. Yes. Yeah, okay. that's true. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre. He also released a spoken word album with Ben Folds about 10 years ago. Which is also pretty weird. It had a cover of "Common People" by Pulp on it. Leonard is, Leonard Nimoy had a brief folk career. Yes, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> he wrote. He had released an album about Lord of the Rings, right? He did. Yeah. Yes. Nice. <laughs> which is a weird idea. And there's a music video available that you can watch about hobbits. I'm sure there is. <laughs> yeah. About Bilbo Baggins, actually. I think that's the name of the song. Yeah. Oh, right. That sounds right. Or like the Legend of Ballad, Bilbo Baggins or something Ballad like Bilbo that. Baggins. Yeah. Something like yeah. That, that actually yeah. might be it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of like post Star Trek weirdness for these guys, uh, I, and it hasn't really slowed down. No, not at all. Yeah, because I mean, Shatner after this, he had that Boston Legal show with Alan Spader. That was very successful. Which was ran forever. Um, and Leonard Nimoy, I'm not as sure. Leonard Nimoy, um, he became a pro- professional photographer, and he was like mm. well. Okay. He was like well respected in photography. That was like his very late career thing. I don't know what he did like middle career. Um, he was on The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> in a really good episode, really Pros- good. possibly the best. Simpsons yeah. Episode. So there's there's that. He had some fantastic voiceover in Civ Four. He does, and it I no- I noticed immediately that he still sounds the same, right? Like his yeah. Civ Four recordings and his yeah. 1982 performance, like identical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. George Takei has become a stage actor. And an internet personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've worked. I don't know about Michelle Nichols, but... Uh, she was probably a stage actor. That's what, apparently that's what she was. Well, she did all the work with NASA, too, in the yeah. 80s and 90s. Okay, and, so good. Um, and Scotty, he was an actor, too. Like, he did other stuff, too. Good. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you'll see these people that are in, like, a really successful show, and then, like, you never see them again. Um, and so... It, it's good to see that that's not the case here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone seems to sur- survive. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not true of all Star Trek shows or all popular shows in general. Um, so this this movie is most frequently compared to Moby Dick, mm-hmm. um, and with the the joke being that it's Moby Dick from the whale's perspective, <laughs> <laughs> where Kirk is the is Moby Dick is the whale being sure. hunted by the man that he wronged um, almost accidentally years and years ago and that the, the whale wins right like yeah. that's how that's how Moby Dick ends um, so I was looking for it this time there are numerous literary references early in this movie um, well they just like show books and right? one There's of them is Moby Dick, of Moby Dick yeah one of them is it's I like see that. Moby Dick Paradise Lost the Bible and like something else that's like yeah. in that milieu sure. um, so yeah I it's an interesting choice, and I think that it speaks to Star Trek, like, wanting to put on airs a lot, right? Like, every once in a while, they'll, like, do an episode about triples that's, like, silly, <laughs> dumb bullshit, and then turn around and do, like, an episode that's supposed to be serious, you know, television. And Yeah, you know, for the hardcore nerds. Right, and so, like, there's this, like, tonal whiplash <laughs> when yeah. watching Star Trek, um, and I think you see a little of it here. Uh, not as much as you do on the TV show, right? Where you have like half the episodes are, you know, hard sci-fi political drama, and half of them are like triples. Triples, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like they get shrunk down to tiny size now, or the fucking <laughs> I don't know what the room is called that has holograms all over. Hollow holodeck. Holodeck, like gains sentience and starts oh, taking yeah. over the ship, <laughs> right? Like it. it it's such a weird space that the show occupies, right? That it tries to do both of those things at once, where they're like, make this, you know, high-flying action-adventure movie that's also Moby Dick and has references to yeah. Shakespeare and, and all that. And it's like, that's weird. Um, and it also, I think, lines up with, like, William Shatner's 
sense of self as projected <laughs> into the world and his persona, right? We're like, he's yeah, this goofy, he's like this goofy guy that will make like the Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain video, but also like expect people to take the Rocket Man thing seriously, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so he's also like a Twitter personality now too. Now he's terrible. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. he's bad now. Um, he. He went the other direction, that, uh, the opposite of George Takei. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. where uh, he's tweeting about fake news and, and that kind of nonsense. Because he's a, you know, 70-year-old white dude who's also really rich. Isn't, he's in uh, his 80s now, right? Pr- probably, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> that sounds right. He's, he's super old. So, yeah, the current Shatner is kind of a bummer. I was actually doing an alive check. and <laughs> To see if he's still with us. Well, Shatner's still around. Yeah. Um, Nimoy Michelle Nichols. No, Nimoy died. Oh, yeah, you're right. He did that recently. Yeah. Nichelle Nichols still alive. Yeah. And one more was still alive. Scotty? Bones. Bones is still alive? Scotty died a while ago. Okay. He died in like the 90s. Oh, really? Yeah. Or like early 2000s. Yeah. Bones was great in this movie. Yeah. I love how he's just like kind of, you know, like argumentative and and hostile to everyone. <laughs> like yeah. He's just kind of a jerk all the time. He's like sarcastic the whole time. Right, and mean. Like it's yeah. it, it's like not even sarcastic sometimes. Yeah. It's just like him being a jackass. <laughs> and like but he's still kind of right. Is um, that is that how he usually is? Um he's a little belligerent. Like his cat his catchphrase on the show was I'm a doctor, not a like, yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. Damn it, Jim. Damn it, Jim. Yeah, damn it, Jim. Um, so he was always just kind of like the belligerent one that they mm-hmm. they put up with this. They need a doctor, I think. Um, but he he kind of he he hit the right tone for me okay. in this movie. Yeah. I, I liked him here. Um, I love the sets in this movie. Yeah, I, I like. I find old timey space stuff like very endearing. Like I don't like new space stuff where everything is like a. An iPad. <laughs> yes, uh, I like that slick look. <laughs> no, I, I like this version where like everything uh-huh. is like switches and buttons. That you're, so many switches, and they focus on it a lot. Like you see the characters like manipulating yeah. switches for like whole scenes. Right. I like, like like the one yeah. like there's a moment in this movie where Kirk is getting another one over Khan, <laughs> and <laughs> like he has this panel in front of him, and there's literally like. 150 buttons. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he like press, presses three of them. He's like, yep, these are the three buttons that we need that will do yeah. the thing to like make, to save the ship or whatever. And it fucking works. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like there's so many buttons. Look. Yeah. It's cool. It's so aerospecific. Very yeah. aerospecific. But it, it's also like very tactile, like yeah. literally. And also like it, it gives the ship like a feeling that like just everything being an iPad like doesn't. Right. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. Because so much of this is felt, right? Because they get hit with laser cannons a lot, and like yeah. they get jostled around, and yeah. like stif- yeah. stuff falls over, and like there's it's head wounds. Like steampunk in a way, because like everything <laughs> is like mechanical but futuristic. Yeah. yeah, like there's like a fusion drive or whatever, but it's also like you can control with a button that you flick up with right. your thumb. Well, and like yeah. to save the ship, you have to like actually go into the. You know, the, the chamber and yeah. yeah, and like lift a big old thing off of a tube and yeah. let that vent. Well, for a while. the reference there is like submarines, right? Like it's supposed to be, they're essentially like nuclear submarines that they're yeah, in yes, outer space. And even the way that they fight is like very like old timey ship thing where you like shoot cannons at each other. Well, it, it's so that's like yeah, Moby Dick era like ship shipping right it's like 1800s <laughs> style yeah. naval combat and, yeah. and it's so responsive to star wars right because you look at the you look at the uh, spaceship fights in star wars and it's all really fast and they're, they're just little ships zooming around all over the place well, the reference yeah. there is like yeah. dog fights right right exactly so that's yeah. drawing from like a world war ii era and like it feels like this movie is very intentionally going in the opposite direction where the space fights are two ships they're going really really slow they're like picking their shots very carefully Right, like they have to it's manage about outmaneuvering each other. Right, like yeah. they have to manage like when their shields are up and when they're down, and like where their resources are being allocated. And it's about like this tactical level fight rather mm-hmm. than like this reflex level fight that's going on in Star Wars. Yeah, um, and it, it's I find it difficult to believe that they weren't doing that in response to you know New Hope and and Empire was not out at this point, right? Well, again. It was? Okay. It was 80. 80. It's, yeah, you're right. it's probably the limitations of TV, right? <laughs> like, you can't have, like, a dogfight 
every episode. Right. But you, I mean, but you can do like a ship maneuvering. Well, I thing. wonder if yeah. they're going for a more realistic take on space battles. I'm not sure how much more realistic this is than Star Wars, um, but like, it seems closer to reality. Oh, there's no magic. Star Wars has magic in it. Well, yeah, but like, you know, Star Wars has ex- essentially an oxygenated space. Yeah. Because they're flying around like they're flying in atmosphere. That's yeah. how their physics works there. Yeah. And even later in the series with the Borg Cube, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen like interviews with like astrophysicists and they're like, that's actually like an optimal spaceship because you want to be able to move in all, Every direction. all directions. Yeah. I would and think so the Borg a sphere, Cube is like a very but... effective way of moving. Yeah, I, I'm not an astrophysicist, yeah. so I, I, I believe yeah. you. I've read theories that like a optimal sphere? spaceships would be spherical. Just because like you need it to be like uniform. Well, when the board cube breaks, it actually has like a spherical center. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So the optimal spaceship is yeah. the Death Star. Yeah. Right. And any one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First, that, First Contact is like also a good Star Trek movie. And that's. Well, all about the Borg. Is that the one where Picard gets assimilated and has all the robot shit on I think face? that happened in the That's show. And they're like, oh, they're, the show? they're referencing that in that movie. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I can't keep it all straight. I, I, I hardly watched uh, Yeah, the, I've, I've seen a handful of the big the episodes. Picard like I've, I've seen the one with the lights where they talk about, they, like, Picard is getting tortured and the, the, they have, like, a series of four lights in or five lights in front of him and they're torturing him to get him to say that there are four lights for some reason to like get him to so this is just 1984 yeah to get him to lie about it is something that's obvious and it's actually a really good episode and like yeah it works really well it has the hilarious line that enterprise is burning in space it's like well no (laughs) that's not how that works (laughs) um but uh i've seen like so realistic after all (laughs) yeah i haven't rewatched it recently but i remember really liking first contact when it came out okay yeah, I have not seen. I have not seen it. Period. It's very Geiger esque because the Borg are like the Borg Geiger, are very creepy, looking. very Geiger like yes, creations. Yeah, the Borg are kind of alien ish, right? Well, they're not also right because they like no. I mean, like the movie Alien, right? Like they kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's Geiger. It's but... closer to like aliens, if I recall correctly, because sure. they have like a they literally have a hive mind and mm-hmm. like their ship looks yeah. like the inter of the alien nest. Yeah, that's got to be yeah. inspired by right. Oh sure, yeah. Probably, um, but yeah. So I I enjoyed this movie this time around. Um, I'm I'm glad I watched it. I agree that it it feels TV like. Yeah. Um, but I'm okay with that. Like I guess it just feels like a really good episode of TV to me, and I'm okay yeah. watching that for two hours. Um, I like the matte paintings that they use in this film a lot too. Also, the miniatures are good. Yeah. As well, I like the mini the mm-hmm. the mixing of like when the. Enterprise is like leaving the hall, and there's like a little airplane conductor guy, like <laughs> or, or uh, uh, yeah. that that was cool. I liked that. And then when they are when they go in the planet and they have like the green space, and it's like yeah, it's like cool. a '70s like sci-fi illustration, but it's like yeah. a giant map painting, I, like a fantasy novel cover. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yes, that, that aesthetic. I like. I really like, and yeah. it's I think it's used well here. Yeah, I really yeah. like the Kobayashi Maru test plot device, which is referenced mm. so much in Star Trek. And I didn't realize that it originated in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they reference it a lot, and you can tell that it really worked and that they really like it because it's everywhere. Yeah, well, it's such a great, like, I mean, it's literally a test, but it's also, like, a, a good way of understanding each character, like, how they yeah. respond to it and what they think about it. Yeah, um, I just think it's really cool, like, how that's written, how it's designed. Right, and, and, the, and the little... The, you know, the joke halfway through the movie where you find out what Kirk did to be yeah. that, right? Like, speaks directly to the character. Um, so, yeah, that that was cool. Um, I, I, I enjoyed that. What did we think about um, well, Christy Alley in this movie? Yeah, I was going to ask that, too. Because apparently I, it's introducing Christy Alley. She, I, it seemed like they were trying to set her up to, like, do a bunch of other Star Trek stuff. <laughs> yeah. But she's, like, really boring as a character like she's, she doesn't have anything interesting to say or do well, other than the, to like react. The regulations well like yeah. isn't she like a vulcan <clears throat> yes so she they're all supposed to be like really unemotional and logical and all that so by nature they're kind of boring right but she's like she seems to be pretty competent yeah that's just it you know like nimoy brings a like a humanity to that well he's half that, human yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole idea, right? So, right. I mean, like, I understand why her character is the way it is, the way she is, and I thought she did a fine job. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, with what she had to work with, but yeah, I don't think they served that I'm character. Trying to very see well. if she appeared in like any other. The character does, but they recast her. 
Mm, okay. Uh, for one of the <laughs> some Star Trek something or other well, along the road. Her character name is Savik. Yes, that is that is correct. Which I, the gun in my head could not have told you that. Oh, really? Like they like, say it a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> they say, yeah, they say her name a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that's one of the things I find interesting is like how the, uh, Spock isn't actually that logical, right? Or like the yeah. logic that he is discussing is. Like an emotional logic a lot of the time. Well, or, he does a trolley problem in the movie. It, right, yeah. <laughs> the needs of the many versus the needs of the few or, or the one. Or the one. Yeah. Um, so, because like there's a, certainly a logical argument that you can make that says, like, no, logically, for me personally, I shouldn't do XYZ. And like that's not the logic he applies. There's many forms of logic. You right. Can and use. I think. And I think that it's interesting that his logic is a, a logic of selflessness and a logic of like an emotional logic yeah. um, that I think kind of cuts against a lot of tropes within the sci-fi fan base um, and within sci-fi at large um, and lines up with Star Trek's specific leftist politics mm. um, that I find appealing. Yeah, like I, I like that about the character, and I think that it he kind of doesn't get enough credit for drawing that out. Uh, Nimoy doesn't, um, and and it, it, this movie really put a, put a pin on it for me. Yeah, that, that it was about more than just more than just logic, right? That there's more going on. So apparently, they bring the character back in Star Trek three and four, but okay. Robin Curtis plays the character. Okay, okay. so I, I haven't seen those ones. Robin Curtis is an American real estate broker and actress. She is best known for re- <laughs> for replacing Kirstie Alley. <laughs> <laughs> Not known for selling houses. That's the beginning of her Wikipedia. Nice. That's uh, confusing. Yeah. Makes me wonder what happened to Kirstie Alley then. I mean, because she still is pretty famous. She, yeah, she did some other stuff. I don't know. Right. It probably is explained in this article, let me see. Just gonna read this article. <laughs> That's the show now. Just, yeah, just, just reading Wikipedia articles. <laughs> Wikipedia articles into a microphone. Uh, yeah, I I think that that character was supposed to. It feels like he was meant to replace Spock at some point, and then literally Maybe. Nimoy figures out that he wants to make a bunch of money and hang out with his friends some more. Um, yeah. And she seemed more like the the straight woman character yeah. to contrast with the main crew. Right. Like she's there to have someone f- for Kirk to make wisecracks too. Yeah. Right. Like and that's yeah. not a, that's not even a character really. No. Um, just the wall. Just just a wall. Bounce ideas off of. Right. You can find out why. Yeah. I okay. also really yeah. didn't like Khan and his crew's costume design. Really? Yeah, it just seems strange and out of place and not very interesting and like uh, too I, I old looking. It, I thought it was like super weird and contrasted really well with the like the, the answer, yeah like, like with the federation stuff and it kind of made sense to me that they would cobble together these wacky outfits when they're stranded underground on this desert planet for years and years um so yeah. it, it worked for me like i was i was into it i mean i get why they looked that way i just didn't yeah. like how it looked yeah it was, and it was kind of like a mad max thing right like yeah. like they were surviving an apocalypse of some sort yeah totally um like you could have dropped those guys into the warriors and they would have they would have made sense <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and i liked that about it i liked like how how distinct it was right like you immediately know whose side these guys are it also complements um Montalban's like physicality yeah like when he picks up one of the characters yeah he picks up uh, a checkoff yeah Yeah. it's also funny that they were genetically engineered in 1996 (laughs) the future year of 1996 yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's where that was 14 years out at the time yeah um so yeah i I, I, we're getting to a point or we a while ago got to a point in sci-fi where all the future years have long since passed. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's amusing to me. Um, but no, I really liked the, the costuming there. And I, I, I like Maltabon's, like, introductory speech that he gives, like, and in, in how much he, he's chewing up the scenery. And <laughs> just, like, it's clearly the, the director just, like, gave him free reign. So, like, every, like, dumb overacting trope you ever wanted to do, like, <laughs> now's your chance, man. Do it. Do it now. And he does. And it, it's a blast. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I forget if it's King. I think it's King Lear, where someone was saying that like Montalban was the only person that could play King Lear. Really? Because he had the chops. He had like the Shakespearean background. Okay. And the acting chops. And at an old age, he was like very physically fit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so he was like seen as like the perfect person for it. Did he do it? 
No, because he was in a car accident. Oh, that was then. I knew that happened. And he was semi-paralyzed and then eventually like succumbed to those injuries, I think. That's a bummer. Yeah. But he's still, there's a a stage in LA that's still named after him, the Ricardo Montalban Theater. I had no idea. Okay. But yeah, because he's he's, uh, doing really good work here. And I, I think that he must have... Like studied Kirk's or Shatner's performance in the original series because like there is a lot of Shatner in, in <laughs> what he's doing here, and like these guys are supposed to be counterparts, and like the movie draws very clear parallels between the two of them. They're also not actually acting against each other, right? Yeah, they're because the characters are just they, like they speaking never, out to the yeah. right into the world, yeah, so. face to face. Yeah, because like, that's like, pretty amazing for both actors. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 like because there's that sequence around the midpoint of the movie where you they're just like cutting back and forth between the two of them, and they're literally just like doing the same stuff and almost delivering the same lines, mm-hmm. like one after another. Um, and I feel like Shatner is doing Shatner there, and I think Maltaban is like drawing some of that into his performance, right? And he, like you said, has the chops to pick up on that and do yeah. that and like be conscious of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really a coup that they managed to land him for, for this movie. Yeah, it's like, awesome. Because it's, you know, a pretty far cry from his, his Shakespearean work. Any uh, closing thoughts? Um, no, I, I, I'm still into it, and I, I'm I'm glad we watched it. I I hope you liked it at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It, it was yeah. a fun Star Trek that, episode. Think, yeah, and I think that that's exactly what it promises. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or, or what you should be expecting when you go right. into it. I I I think that throughout my life I've been taught to expect more from this movie. Right, because you yeah you hear because the way it's pitched is like this is the best Star Trek movie, and then it's like well the other ones are kind of not that great. So yeah. best yeah, Star yeah, Trek movie, go, right. yeah, best Star Trek movie means pretty good movie. Honestly, I still think the new trilogy functions better just as movies. They're more cinematic. Yeah, right? like they have better. That's kind of what I mean. Bigger budgets, like they look more impressive. Yeah. Right, they have big movie star, bigger movie stars in them. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying, right? Like the although I think the most recent one was meant to mimic a TV episode. It, like yeah, but it structure. does so without feeling like TV because they have the benefit of a higher budget and all that. But yeah, like, still, I, I still felt like they were on purpose making it feel yeah. like a TV episode. So that one I would describe yeah. it as having the best parts of the TV and the best parts of movie combined, right? Because you I have that. that kind of yeah. style of plot, but you have the high budget action and look of a movie. Combined, yeah, the kind of slickness, and they because they finally got rid of J.J. Abrams. Like it doesn't have his <laughs> his dumb time travel nonsense and like you know paradoxes and yeah and shit that he likes to put into every movie. For yeah, no I was a little confused. Yeah. Well, I, I guess Spock does come back after this. They movie. search for him because in the new <clears throat> Into Darkness, he like the the new Spock like consults old Spock about how to defeat Khan. And then old Spock like gives him some advice. It is not at weird. all clear to me how the continuity of Wrath yeah, like, of Khan and Into Darkness interact with one another. <laughs> I have no idea yeah. if they're even supposed to know. be in the same continuity. Um, so, yeah, the, that is confusing to me as well. I, I concur. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Crossman? Um, it's good. I like it. it's corny, but yeah. but so Star Trek. But, but like familiar. Yeah, and I like that about it. I agree, yeah. but that, I mean, if, and if you like that, like that's Star Trek's brand, right? Corny and familiar. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's what it promises us, um, and there's certainly space for that in the in the culture. Yeah, yeah. I, but I also like older futurism. Yes. So, like that's really up my alley. So I hear that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we will be back in a moment with things we've seen. Uh, we'll see you then. All right, and we're back with things we've seen. Uh, this is a segment where we just talk about stuff that we've seen, sometimes more contemporary, uh, sometimes on an airplane. Charles, what did you see <laughs> Been on an airplane lately? So, not an airplane movie, but recently I rewatched uh, Starship Troopers uh, with some friends. Oh, yeah, you were talking uh, about Yeah, this. I brought this up. Yeah. So, we've talked mm-hmm. about this a bit, but I thought it'd be interesting to bring up here, especially as a counterpart to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, so on this viewing, I felt less confident. Um, that Starship Troopers was entirely a satire, or at least less confident that it executed it effectively, because you know I read some interviews with the director, and it seems very clear that he meant it to be like an anti-fascist satire piece. Um, but yeah, I I have more questions about its effectiveness in doing so beyond the first half of the movie. 
right? So the first half of the movie, they're in their society and training to be in the military and like super gung ho about <clears throat> like being citizens and all that, right? Um, but the second half of the movie is them going to war finally, and a lot of it is them like you know fighting battles with the bugs and like making heroic sacrifices and having glorified victories over the bugs until they finally prevail in the end and capture a brain bug. Uh, and I feel like to be an effective satire of fascism, you need to kind of make an indication about maybe the futility of their war efforts and, you know, like maybe they're being tricked to fight in the war just to keep the fascist state in power, you know, things like that. The usual criticisms uh, or problems with fascism that come up, um, but I don't think the movie really does anything with that. It just feels like it's unironically celebrating their military efforts uh, throughout the entire second half of the movie and that kind of raised some alarms for me I guess that is fair it's been a while since I've seen Star Trip Starship Troopers so I don't feel confident commenting on this point um, although yeah. I'm sure that that's a valid reading I think the satire is tricky <clears throat> especially it, it certainly fascism, is especially fascism and especially when the main characters are fascists and <laughs> yes, right. I think that's challenge. I think it's one of the challenging parts about the movie. But um, I, my thought around this, and I, I wrote this to you when you were writing about this. Um, yeah, is I think we're meant to see their state of endless war as ridiculous. So they succeed at the end of the movie, and then <laughs> it's like, and now we just got more battles to fight, and there's like no true like end in sight like they win this like very small victory capturing like one of the lead bugs yeah but it's unclear whether or not that will lead to like you know the war being over it's more just like and now there's like more fighting for mm -hmm. us to do forever yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's my read <clears throat> on it um, I can see that. Yeah, but I think it, it raises the larger question of whether it's ever worthwhile to satirize fascism, right? Because I think that is a question that's entered the popular consciousness recently, and it seems like there's a lot of evidence mounting that you should just, it's not worth it. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually decrease their power. Um, that you, you, what you need to do is just remove them yeah. from public spaces, period. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's been a lot of writing recently about, like, um, hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, the hypocrisy in general. Like, yeah. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and right. so, like, pointing out the, like, hypocrisy of a situation, like, doesn't undermine the hypocrite. Right. Like, they're, it's, he, it's not their kryptonite. Yeah, they, yeah, because they didn't, like, hypocrisy is a, is a, a logical, a failing of logic and a failing of morals, and like they didn't arrive at fascism via either of those things. Yeah, right. Like it's not a logical or moral position. It is an emotional, hateful position. Yeah, right. So to to come to them with logical and and moral arguments isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah, right. I like that, that's not how people mm -hmm. arrive at fascism. Yeah, I I love this movie. I think it's one of the great sci-fi movies. I still quite like, enjoy it. I, I think it's incredible yeah. front to back. And I know it was very maligned when it came out and it's had a bit of a resurgence recently mm -hmm. because of everybody's focused on fascism. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's I, I definitely hear criticism of the movie though, but it's also like very dear to my heart as like a movie that yeah. I really like. Um, I've also read the book and the book is, outright a pro-fascist <laughs> I've heard this. <laughs> so <laughs> I think Vorhoven's take on a pro... I think if this is your take on a pro-fascist novel, it's to kind of like turn it, turn it on its head and show the one of many problems with fascism. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. pro probably the best version of of Starship Troopers that we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Another um, thing that I found that yeah. might be a little dangerous is that they do show this fascist society as being very diverse and like gender equal. Mm. Um, and so it gives you this kind of tantalizing view of what could happen in the future if you if you let fascism take over and like, oh, they're going to they're going to let all the races <laughs> be equal and all that. Right. Right. But right. but not really. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I think that's interesting. It's happen. like it's like a multicultural fascist society, yeah, right? It's strange. But the, the people who have rights in the society are 
the, the military. Like you, you can only vote if you're a part of the military. Yeah. You can only reproduce if you're in the military too. They, yeah. Um, also, I had questions about Rico's parents because they seem to be very well off, but are very anti-military. I don't know if they served in the military or not, but they have Rico as a child, and they're also very wealthy somehow. I don't know how that worked. That's a good question. A yeah, confusing. I mean, that's just part of them. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. I do not know. I mean, really, it's like, I love how they took, like, a bunch of, like, soap opera actors and, like, put them <laughs> in this, like, quote-unquote serious sci-fi film. And they, that works so well because they're mm-hmm. fucking, like, terrible actors <laughs> yeah. and they like it's, deliver it's really absurd. corny lines yeah. and like <laughs> it, it's really great like what they do right i i yeah. always love the campiness of this movie yeah i like the kit smashing uh spaceships too yeah those Wait, are what? great kit smashing it's like where you take like plastic models and oh, like, okay. yeah, turn yeah, them into yeah. new spaceships <clears throat> okay um yeah I, I love the miniatures and the the, the and models the, look great yeah cool uh, yeah, it's challenging. I think satire... Always challenging. Yeah, maybe isn't going to save us. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. remember, like, RoboCop being more obvious and more effective. Uh, Even then, though, like, but you know, the satire is special, like, because we're also supposed to be, like, sympathetic to RoboCop, and RoboCop, like... He's a cop. Is a That's co- true. Yeah, he's a fascist. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, so... Yeah. Well, and there's always the danger of, like, a lot of people misreading it, right? Like a lot of people coming to Fight Club and saying, "Oh yeah, I should start a Fight Club," or "Or I'm going to join the military because of Starship Troopers" or something like that, right? Which it, it really makes me question the value of, or, or like the the conservatives that would watch the Colbert Report unironically, right? That would like <laughs> just watch it as like a news source or a guy that st- tells it like it is. Uh, like th- that danger is always present. I think we're turning the corner yeah. on this, so. Are like we? recently, like movies feel good. Movies feel sincere. Yes. Oh, in that sense. Yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a good sincerity good, is a good, good thing. change. Yes. Yeah. We, we want more sincerity in our culture. The nineties and early aughts were so anti-sincerity, and yes. I think it's mm-hmm. it's been a good change. I agree with that, and I agree it's good. Yeah, we want more than that. Um, what do you see, Crossman? Anything good? Cool. Um, speaking of. Sincerity? Things that are confusing. Okay. Um, I saw Ready Player One. Oh, I'm sorry. Why? There was a there was a post on Twitter today where someone said, "What's the worst movie you've seen this year?" And I snapped, said, "Ready Player One." <laughs> movie's garbage. It has not, to been a worse movie. Yeah, that that I've seen. It's okay. pretty easy to dunk on, um, but I'll, I'll focus on one aspect of it. I did not care if any of the characters yes. died. Yes. In the movie, yeah. I was like, I hope they all die. They seem terrible. Yes. Like everybody in this movie is awful, and. I don't like these characters. Or, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Show sucks. It was uh, so bad. Like, it, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've complained. About no, this I mean that's that's the whole thing. Everyone well, sucks. I hope they die. Yeah, because their goal is bad. It, it, and yeah. really unclear. Yeah, their goal is to get a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, this company <laughs> has a bunch of money, right? And this group of like evil people are trying to get the money. So they're like. Well, if we just got the money, then we'll have the money. Yeah, then, then we'll have the money. <laughs> they get to control the VR world, right? So yeah, yeah not only do they get all the money, they become literal gods or whatever. Yeah, and they're, they want to keep it with the honest gamers. Yeah, which is a, the real problem I think with this movie is that it, yeah. Well, and they're so they eventually win and they get the money. <laughs> yep, imagine that. which I was like never concerned that they wouldn't. Yeah, uh, throughout the whole movie. The, yeah, the most interesting uh, thing the movie could have done is to have them not get the money yeah yeah <laughs> that would have been great <laughs> yeah fuck these guys um so they win i'm not the only person to point this out but their solution at the end of the movie is they say we're going to turn off the system or the slave system right for two hours a week <laughs> yep so You're it's like five-sevenths slavery <laughs> that they like used to live in <laughs> well they turn off like the yeah. virtual world right like they, for two they, days a week yeah because right. the slave That's like thing their was, solution. But they didn't they let all the slaves go? I thought I'm pretty sure the slave thing was like the evil companies doing and the evil company like went under. Cause right, because they, they didn't get all the money at the end. Yeah. Right, And that's the problem yeah. with this movie. It's not at all clear what the fuck happens in it or like why anything is happening. Yeah. Right, like the, it, the really perplexing thing for me was 
that this company they seem to, they seem to like rule the world because they have all these like trucks and armed men yes. and stuff. And the police. And then the police show up at the end. I'm like, where have they been? <laughs> and yeah. just arrest the guy. That's about, it's like two cops that come along. There's like you're under arrest, CEO of this yeah. evil company. It's like, oh shit, <laughs> Here, take me in. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Like nothing. Like, and that's the other part. Like, there's just so many logic problems with this movie, and I don't want to pick at it for like being illogical because I think that's a bad way to critique this movie, and not the biggest problem with this movie at all. But it's still just confusing. Like the things that happen don't well, make sense. It also focuses on like toxic super fandom. Right, that like, is the big your problem. Your superpower like quizzing people. Yeah, your superpower is to know the most about something. Well, something trivial. Yeah, it's it's called trivia for a reason, right? It's because yeah. it's trivial. It yeah. doesn't actually matter, and like it's such a fanboy fantasy, right? Like the the most important thing in the world is your knowledge of obscure arcade games or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, of course that is what this you know dude with the head up his ass is going to write about, right? And you know, fuck that, right? Like fuck that attitude. Period. Yeah, it's it, it leads to I just like so this. much. I'm I'm kind of mad that Spielberg made this movie. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. He's such a... He's way better than this. Yeah, in, on, on every level. Because yeah. it doesn't even yeah. function as cinema. Like, it'd be one thing if it were, like, a good movie that... Well, there's no characters. Right, like, it, it, if it were a good movie with a bad message, like, yeah, that's out there. But, like, this is a movie that, like, it, it, with bad characters, bad, unclear plotting, right, and a bad message, really, everything and about And it's it. 100% CGI. Yeah, yes. And everything looks like bad CGI. Like, I'm sure it's, like, incredibly expensive, but it looks... It looks like it's supposed to look like a cartoon, and I get that. Just nothing has any, like, weight to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's no, like... I don't know, it's bad. Yeah, also, what is Mark Rylance doing in this movie? Who's that? The, the guy at the, the end. The, the, old, the, the old, old guy, guy. Who made the system and died. The guy in Dunkirk. This is Dunkirk funny. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's better. He's better in this movie. Nobody else is, but I mean, the movie yeah. made like a jillion dollars, so there's definitely going to be a sequel. Ready Player Two, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> I, yeah. I assume, but the Ready and the Player, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, two hard, player, yeah. hard pass, on Ready all. Players one. <laughs> <laughs> God, that doesn't even make sense. It, uh, the movie doesn't make sense. It doesn't did, matter. Like, why you did can, you watch this? Well, I was on a plane. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. There <laughs> okay. we go. Yeah. It's a long that, plane ride from Brazil. So. To here. Yeah, that explains it. Um, so, yeah, I hated this movie. Um, While I was watching it, I had the pleasure of watching Deadpool 2 over somebody's shoulder. So <laughs> Two bad movies. Did you watch that one, like, for real? No, because whenever, like, Ready Player One was being boring, I would just, like, look at my seatmates TV and he, they were watching Deadpool 2. Yeah, but so, 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 you, so you haven't too. seen that movie for real yet. No, okay. but I've seen the it seen most acted it. out without, <laughs> without audio. <sound. laughs> yeah. Okay, I think I'm good. Like I think I get what happens. I saw the first one. I don't like it. And I'm not gonna go. I thought back. it was fine and kind of nope. funny, but nope. not nope. really. I was not into it. Not not my favorite. I didn't dislike it. I dislike it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> not into that movie. Um, so yeah, I don't like Ready Player One, Deadpool. Does, and I didn't see Ryan Deadpool Reynolds too. must have the most Marvel characters, like different Marvel characters, right? He has. He has Deadpool. a DC character. Green Greenland's DC. Deadpool. Deadpool relaunch, right? Does that count? Because hmm? he's Deadpool in the old Wolverine. The old Wolverine oh movie, yeah, it's like a yeah, which is a very different Deadpool from okay, sure. this movie. Sure, he's sure. the Green Lantern. DC. Oh, that's DC. Yep. Um, and he's in the Blade. He's in Blade Two. Oh yeah, yeah. you're right. But his or Blade. no, he's in Blade Trinity. He's in the Blade franchise. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that is that is Marvel. So yeah. Yeah. I guess he has kind of three, two and a half, kind of. Okay. It's, um, Chris Evans has Torch and Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So that's two and two more popular characters. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. You're, you're right. He's up. Michael there. B. Jordan also got to be the torch and someone else. You're right. <laughs> that's true. Um, hmm. So I guess it's kind of a competitive category. I feel like there were more actors. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong about this? In the like, world? Potentially you are. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we should be able to draw I'm a larger I'm confused pool. about how acting work so it seems like a very popular profession yes okay yeah cool Wilson what uh, did you see speaking of a lot of actors I saw a movie with a lot of actors in it um, I saw Bad Times at El Royale was this good I, I liked like, it okay huh. yeah I, it, that might be enough for me to like go see it okay because like the trailer looks bonkers yeah it's a great trailer um, yeah 
So it is directed by uh, Drew Goddard, who wrote and directed Cabin in the Woods. Um, so this is his follow-up to that movie, and it is clearly the same dude that made Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> that made okay. Bad Times at El Royale. So it is uh, operating on... Okay, so the, the premise is that it all takes place at the El Royale, which is this hotel that's on the border between California and Utah. And the entire movie is contained, minus some flashbacks, is contained within this, this space. And we open on uh, an evening as various colorful characters arrive at this hotel and they are become entangled in various ways with one another. So we have Jeff Bridges who's playing a priest that's not really a priest. Um, you have Dakota Johnson, who's playing this woman with some sort of dark past. And it's kind of secret. murder on the Orient Express-ish. Yes, yeah. actually. It's, it, it's a lot like an Agatha Christie type of mystery. Thing. Gotcha. Uh, John Hamm is a southern salesman guy of some sort. He would uh, be a salesman. Right, right. I like Hamm. Uh, he's great in this. Yeah. And it's more funny Hamm, which is exactly what we need. Yes. He's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, but this movie is really about like critiquing the male-dominated movie genres so whereas cabin in the wood was like hyper focused on horror and like where horror should go as a genre this is taking a much broader scope and i think it suffers a little bit from it like not being as focused as cabin in the woods um, but i appreciate its ambition um, so like there's a bit about like noir you know detective movies there's a bit about like heist movies there's a there's a war movie reference there's like the high drama oscar bait like movie like that right so i mean there, there's a moment in this movie where the characters literally break the fourth wall like <laughs> a wall is broken and they go through it oh. to the other side um so it is doing a lot of that kind of metatextual stuff um so i don't want to spoil too much of it because there's a lot of like kind of weirdo unexpected things that go on um, I will just land on it being good. It's worth seeing. It's probably not going to be the cultural revolution that Cabin in the Woods was because I think it is not as focused. It's a stranger movie. Um, and for that reason, reason, it might not draw in like the horror hardcore folks that Cabin in the Woods really drew on. Um, there's a lot of Tarantino influence here. Um, That's I, I what I got out of the trailer. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. really surface level stuff, right? Like, because okay. Tarantino is not concerned with like these meta level critiques and like how genre fits into gender and things like that. Um, but it does do stuff where it's like, here's this the flashback for this character that brought him up to this point. Here's like what this guy was doing while this other thing was going on, and like these overlapping mm -hmm. timeline thing. So on that like very superficial level, it's like Tarantino, um, but it's really concerned with a lot of different ideas and a lot more metaphor than Tarantino mm -hmm. typically is. Um, so I liked it. It's long. Like, it's a, it's a good 225, 230, mm. something like that. Um, but it it moves along in a, similar to Tarantino in that respect, I guess. Uh, so I, I enjoyed watching it, and I think it would be a very different experience upon a second viewing, so I might, I might run it back at some point. Um, but it's called Bad Times at El Royale. It is in theaters right now, should still be, um, and it's, it's a thumbs up for me. Cool. I liked it. Yeah. So uh, we're continuing our uh, our sci-fi month. Crossman, what do we got coming up next? Yeah, I'd like to watch uh, E.T., the Super. extraterrestrial. Yeah. Oh, that E.T. Also a 1982 movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, more Spiel good Spielberg this time. Good Spielberg. Unlike uh, Ready Player One's bad Spielberg. The Which rare references E.T., I think. Uh, probably. Yeah. Um, references yeah. everything. Like, has very reference, briefly. right? Yeah. It references a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a way better movie than Ready Player One. So, <laughs> a little bar to clear, but it, it does so. Um, so, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you're if you're liking the show, please share it. We've gotten some very generous shares lately, and we appreciate it. Um, and join us next week for ET.